A few years ago, we grew and sold a business that forever changed our lives. At first, we really struggled trying to figure out which tools to use to help run and organize our community. But that all changed once we discovered Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part, Kajabi doesn't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So you keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash M-U. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash M-U. Go to kajabi.com slash M-U and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Fear doesn't drive the car, it rides shotgun, okay? It rides next to you, but you need to be the one to own those decisions and move forward. Because at some point, you got to ship it. You got to push publish, you got to push record, you have to get started and move. What's up, Millionaire University? It's me, Kirsten, back for another fantastic episode of the podcast today. I'm really, really stoked to share this one with you. This is a longtime friend and colleague, I guess you could say, in the online space, my great friend, Brittany Rattel, and she is on today to share with us how she's made some pivots with her technical training, her law degree, and turned that into her own booming, profitable business. Something I did not bank on with this episode, but I should have known better, was the amount of value bombs that Brittany drops. We don't just talk about her story. In fact, we probably spend more time giving you just all this cool value of how her story is applicable to you and the lessons you can learn about entrepreneurship and marketing and just understanding the whole premise of online business and how to be successful. So in addition to her awesome, cool story of how she has become a lawyer and used that in the online space and how she's pivoted to be a lawyer for creatives and content creators and influencers online, how she's also pivoted to create her own products and how she's monetizing in a variety of ways and how that's looking for her as an entrepreneur. I found myself nodding in approval to most of the things she said because I know that these principles at their core level are absolutely true. We have a tendency to complicate business, to complicate marketing, to complicate making money, but at the end of the day, you have so much already available to you to be successful. There's so much leverage that you have. Sometimes we have a tendency to look at everybody else and think, that's the shiny object. If only I could do a business like that, And we create this valley where we now have to learn more stuff in order to become successful. When in reality, if you just look at what you have, even if you're not a lawyer, if you don't have a law degree, if you don't have this big, expansive training, there's something that you know right now that is going to help other people. And Brittany explains this so well in the episode and how you can find that sweet spot where people will be willing to pay for the knowledge and the skills and the expertise that you have. So whether you want to build that online and have digital offers and coaching and things like that, Or if you want to have an actual brick and mortar business, if you want to provide services to people, if you want to continue down any path that you're already on and find a way that you can expand that skill set, this is going to give you some tools and show you how you can do that. So I'm really, really happy to share this with you guys. Get ready to take some notes because, again, like I said, there are so many value bombs 
in just this one episode. We got way more than we bargained for. So without further ado, class is in session. Hey, Brittany, welcome to Millionaire University. You are an amazing creator, amazing professional, and I've known you for a few years, and you're going to be such a great guest here on the show. You have so much value to offer. So thanks for taking time and just coming and having a chat with me so that we can teach all of the people listening how they can leverage certain skills and even just tap into the legal side to build their businesses and be uber successful. So yeah, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to see you again and always look forward to our chats. Me too. Okay, so before we dive in, I kind of mentioned the legal component. I'm sure we've had an intro before we started this conversation, but just set the stage a little bit about what you do right now. And then let's get into the backstory of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. So I am a, an attorney for small businesses is my specialty. And most of my work nowadays, my client work and also my digital products and info products are really supporting online business owners specifically. So a lot of my clients are creators, they're creatives, they have service-based businesses where they provide some sort of creative deliverable online to people and, and they're e-commerce brands or especially e-commerce brands that really is their main marketing channel and community building channel, use social media, use Instagram, yeah. you use YouTube, use, you know, podcasts or whatnot to grow their audiences, to help solve problems and really figure out how they want to be growing and adding additional reference streams. So it's a really fun place in the internet to be. It's really dynamic. Things are changing all the time. So which a lot of people see is like, oh, that doesn't that get exhausting? I see it as a win because I love learning and I like being able to engage in that wrestle on what's changing and what's coming up. And now we have AI that we need to think about and adding to our mix of how that's changing our industry and what it looks like to to really develop a brand and then to use that to move forward in the different offerings you might have and how you're going to solve people's problems. Wow. So basically what you're saying is growth and development is good because it keeps you in a job. Like it keeps you yeah. making money and it makes you extremely relevant and honestly really, really valuable as an asset to anybody building a business, especially online, which is your focus. So yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think change is inevitable. And traditionally, a lot of attorneys are pretty backwards looking and pretty conservative. And like they they see themselves as very structured and very traditional in the way they have to offer their businesses and do client work, build law firms. You know, and you'll notice that in my marketing and branding, I kind of issue any of that. I, I have a personality and I don't think that detracts or makes me unprofessional. And as I tell people all the time, making it boring doesn't make it better. And so for me, I really have tried to look at, well, what is the problem that people are having in their businesses? Where is there a gap in knowledge and making it accessible and relatable and just kind of real world and practical? Because entrepreneurs traditionally overlook a lot of legal things because it does seem overwhelming and boring and expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I really try to bridge that content gap of, okay, well, what's a way that we can make things adjacent to what we care about in normal everyday life so that we can make it easier to care about the things that do matter that can help save our profits and our peace and help us sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That sounds like I want to kind of dive into that process too of really the marketing component of how you nailed down and really got clear on what you offer and what you provide. But before we get into all of that, which is more of the nitty gritty, the marketing stuff that I geek out over, let's talk about how you went from law school and even really did you always have a desire to be in the legal field 
to now where you're not doing litigation law necessarily. You like this wasn't really a field, right? This wasn't something. No, this was not listed in on. my career service book. You know, <laughs> I went to law school thinking, not really sure if and when how I wanted to practice, but I thought I would maybe end up somewhere in nonprofit public advocacy work, maybe helping women and children. Because I I did some work in the foreign service. I interned before. I was really interested in public health and governance. And I got some really good advice when I worked for an overseas embassy in Africa one summer in Mozambique. And there was a lot of ex-attorneys in the foreign service. And they were like, look, if you're interested in any of that stuff, go to law school anyway. And I was like, well, that's rich. You guys are not all practicing (laughs) lawyers anymore. Yeah, join us. It's great. We hated it. We left kicking and screaming. But they're like, look, out of all those degrees, and no offense if this is you, law school gets taken more seriously. Law degrees get taken more seriously. They're like, you will have options. Whether you want to practice or not, your time will be valuable. You will have great critical reasoning skills, writing skills, technical skills that you can use in a variety of fields. And they were right. And so went to law school, make sure for me, it was a matter of like faith and prayer and also made sense and it felt right. And then as I was finishing my degree, I felt like it was time to start our family. So I had my first babies. I was finishing law school and then studying for the bar. And really for me, my number one there was flexibility. And so I started envisioning and kind of curating a job experience that number one would allow me to be home and to have a flexibility over my hours, which meant that I couldn't go probably go work for someone else. And I couldn't do a traditional like clerkship opportunity. So that's mm-hmm. what I did. I I set up my own shingle. I set up my own practice, started my own business because it allowed me to be more flexible. And I did family law and estate planning. And that's where I started because those are the areas that I knew that I can knew I could do on my own without setting up a lot of support staff. And always kind of kept an open mind because I thought, I don't know if this is where what I want to do forever, but for now this works. And by and by, I started having these friends who were mommy bloggers. And we lived in Utah at the time. And there were, and they were starting to be kind of the very first influencers and content creators who were starting to make real money and have to set up LLCs, starting to get real contracts and opportunities to promote people at events, to do sponsorships, to maybe get involved with licensing. And they really felt overwhelmed and would try to go talk to their dad's attorney, their dad's golf buddy, who really was, did not know anything or understand anything about the world of online business. They weren't listening to Pat Flynn and Tim Ferriss like I was. And I knew about this world and could see the potential. I'm like, this, I really think all this money is going to move and shift. And I think social media influencer marketing and running an online business is going to be a viable thing for lots of different people. And so I started taking on more and more of that work until officially I was like, you know what? This is actually exactly what I do. And so I had a better answer when people came to me and had interest and needed help and support. And I sent that first scary email out around eight years ago where I said, hey, everyone in my address book, I do this now. And if you know anyone who needs help with these types of issues, here's my blog. Here's my website. I'm starting a podcast this month. Please let me know if you have any questions. And it it was the scariest email I ever did because at some point you just have to declare it. And there will always be a voice in your head that said, who are you? And what are people going to think about you? And what are your peers going to think about you? What are the people, the naysayers, the high school haters on Facebook going to think about Mm -hmm. you? Maybe even loved ones in your friends and family who might misunderstand. And it comes from a place they believe of love, 
but it's going to come from a place of fear because it's just yeah. a new version of you that they haven't seen before. But I was really grateful for people who trusted me and who were my very first clients. And, and then I started growing and especially realizing that content marketing was going to be a really important part of telling my story and seeing what the problems that people were having and then finding solutions to those mm-hmm. that involved either me serving them as a traditional lawyer or other ways, which now I have kind of two businesses. I have a law firm and now I also have an info product company that sells templates and guides and checklists and online courses to help people with their legal issues. Awesome. Okay. That is an amazing journey that you took. And I can't believe it's been eight years. I've known you for probably, I don't know, four years or so. So it's crazy Mm because you've been at this a while. And I feel like the whole world of influencing and online content creation is still so new. And it is, right? We're looking at maybe about a decade. So you've kind of been there from early on, like you said, when this became an actual business, an actual income stream for so many of the people that were early adopters of the platforms. But like you said, it wasn't out there as a job opportunity. And there might be people listening to this right now who, I mean, I, I think it's actually kind of a cool perspective that you had the mentorship and the people say a law degree is going to help you. Even if you don't practice law, it's a really great legitimate degree to get because it can open a lot of different doors. But I know there's so many people I've met, my friends, husbands, different people who've gotten the law degree, and then they hate law. They don't want to practice law. Right. (laughs) And so it's kind of cool that you created this opportunity for yourself. And my question is, are there, when you go to law school, is there a lot of entrepreneurship training? Do they give you the track for success or is it pretty open-ended and you (laughs) kind of have to take your degree? Pretty open-ended. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really law school is set up in the traditional guild model where they teach you from case law. And so you in law school read a lot of cases about 19th century train accidents, you know, which are super (laughs) applicable for modern day. Right. Read a lot about trainings and fires and industrial accidents gone wrong, because that forms the basis of so much of our tort law and negligence law and the basis of everything else. But there's very little training. I'm starting to see little seeds of that changing, but very little training and actually how to practice, period. No one even teaches you how to file a lawsuit or to write a demand letter or to answer a cease and desist, that training is not there. Everyone's expected to get that on the job, to either mm-hmm. get that in your clerkship or in your internships or as you're slaving away as a first-year associate in some windowless office with you and your highlighter and whatever the people <laughs> tell you to do. You don't get to yeah. choose your own work. You are, you're just a slave to the firm. And so that's how the normal training goes in, in school which doesn't give you a lot of options. So for me, mm-hmm. I was really hungry and looked outside of the law to other entrepreneur models and mentors and was really trying to pay attention. And what were they saying about looking and listening to people's problems? And so I would do a lot of digging in and I would I would be lurk in Facebook groups and I would read comments threads and I would see what are the questions that people are asking? Where are they, where are they always getting confused, especially about things related to entrepreneurship and small business law? And then I just started answering them and and creating Mm -hmm. content for that. And lo and behold, that stuff performed really well and invited exactly the type of people that I wanted to, to follow me, become part of my community, and then to purchase for me when the time was right for them. So yeah, well, that's amazing. I mean, that's, that's the key to any business. And I think a lot of times people are going to have different products. Your product is you. It's your law degree. It's your understanding of something that maybe not everybody goes to law school, but you might be coming out of a profession. You might be ready to pivot and change trades, but even just utilizing the one you have, understanding how you can take that experience, take that background knowledge and turn it into something that is your own that you actually do enjoy doing instead of having to do litigation, instead of having to be just contract law. Yeah. So I think... I think there's a lot to be said about the path of entrepreneurship and it doesn't really matter where you begin. It matters what you do with what you have. 
So for you yeah. now, like you said, you have the two pronged business model where you're able to make money from the law degree and you're able to leverage that expertise. But then you've shifted into the info, info products and having clients in that direction as well. So right. what has that? Because that's a scalable model. As any yeah. service-based business will know, you can keep and should, you know, increasing your rates as you are a better, better expert and you deliver better mm-hmm. results for people and hopefully get out of the whatever the pain, the billable hour. Because even yeah. people like me who have a pretty high billable hour, there's still a cap on how much money I can make. And so, and I like to do more packages and flat fees for lots of different reasons because it incentivizes me to be more efficient, to take advantage mm-hmm. of software and AI, which I do in my practice to be better and faster at what I do. And I get to pass that along to my clients because we're on the same team. We're trying to get the best result, not me take as long as possible, which is why a mm-hmm. lot of people get really mad at the way that a lot of lawyers bill because there's no yeah. incentive for them to go any faster. It's to draw out phone conversations and emails right. and drafting and research and everything else. And an open-ended Legal meter is the scariest thing in the world to a small business owner because they're like, I don't know how much this is going to cost me. And so, you know, there's some movement away from that. But at the end of the day, there's still a cap on that because it's yeah. I, I am the funnel blocker. I yeah. Everything has to go through me, the linchpin. Where a digital business, an info product business, there is no cap because I can sell my Shopify chichings in the middle of the night and I can make and I can sell an infinite number of templates and courses and help serve people that way by leveraging the info I have and then trying to think, okay, well, what not as much, what's all the things I can tell people to do, which isn't helpful. What is the transformation they want? What is the solution Mm -hmm. they want on the other side? And how can I curate and make that an engaging experience so that they can get the results that they want. So, which is when, you know, really what we all want to do. I I get asked a lot about like, well, how should I know what niche or how how do I know where to start my business? And, and there's a lot of good thoughts about how to, how to do that. And I know that you guys do that a lot here on the podcast, but something that I found helpful was to really imagine three circles. And one of them are things that you like to do. And so Mm -hmm. think about what lights you up, what doesn't drain that social battery? What could you get on and talk about all the live long day and not get tired of it? And the other ones are, are things that you're good at. And some of those are exactly the same and some of them not. And this is why it's helpful to ask a trusted friend, family member, partner, spouse, or someone else of, hey, what are maybe some of my unique gifts? This would also come into contact with your training. If there's certain specific experience that you've had that's led to you, hey, I'm really good at doing this in my old job or when I did this or when I grew this. And that's good. Write that down. And then the third category is really important. And this is what is a problem people will pay to solve? Okay. Mm -hmm. Not a problem people have, not a problem that they will complain about because it turns out some people will rant and rave about a problem all the live long day, but they actually have no intention of paying for a solution and certainly not paying for a solution where it actually matches up and makes Mm -hmm. it profitable for you. But if you can find a space that intersects between all three of those, that is a really great place to start with how to grow a profitable, sustainable business. And there you have it, guys. Business 101 with Brittany Rattel. You just package that up and put a bow on it. That was amazing. And it's, it is, it is that simple because when I started my podcast eight years ago, that was exactly what I did. And I'm sure I learned that from someone. Mine wasn't the Venn diagram. It was just the lists. It was everything I was passionate about is everything that I thought that could be a really cool podcast. And I started backwards where it was like, I'm going to, the podcast is the model. This is what I'm doing. And then I did ask, and it was because every single person I asked brought something up about motherhood and that they love talking about motherhood with me. And that was where I found the intersection. I didn't come up with the paid product for a while, but even just those things of, well, this is on my list here and this is on my list over here, then let's find the place in the middle and then we'll figure out how I can monetize that as I go on and let your people tell you even what they want. So 
let's talk a little bit about that because so many people hold off on starting a business and and utilizing the experience they do have thinking, oh, I need to go attain more skills or I need to have a marketable thing that I can actually sell instead of leveraging what they do have and wanting it to be all perfect. So it sounds like for you, you kind of eased into the content creator influencer side of things. You were were focusing on one model, but how did you kind of move forward and be confident with just owning that, owning that this is the type of lawyer I'm going to be? And then even when you moved into the digital stuff, the info mm-hmm. products, how did you just go for it without waiting until it was perfect and you had a big enough following or whatever? Right. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of action. And I think it need to have action over perfection. Perfection is the enemy of done. And so that's kind of where my lens is. And that may seem funny as someone who I get paid and a lot of my expertise is noticing the details and being very mm-hmm. meticulous about that. And there are areas where I do that when I'm reviewing a contract, but there are other areas where I, I really want to see, and I, I believe in getting started and getting momentum and that you will get more clarity through action than through analysis paralysis and just mm-hmm. keeping everything up here in your head. And I would confess that I've had some periods where I've definitely fell into that kind of procrastinate learner because there are some faux productivity there that you can feel like, oh, well, I'm no, I'm learning, I'm researching. So and you busy. can do a lot of learning <laughs> and researching and reading books and listening to podcasts and talking to people, but you you haven't actually moved forward and put yourself out there. And that's because that a lot of times is a scarier step. And that's when some imposter syndrome may creep up. That's when some other doubts, like you said, about your skills, about your technical requirements and do you have. But if you can help somebody and you have some experience it's tied to that in terms of you've gotten results for yourself or you've gotten results from somebody else, that's a fine place to start. Mm-hmm. And I, I work with a lot of people who are experts in their field and a lot of people who are selling their expertise. And and, and most of the people that I work with have been great, which is why I, I've got some of the greatest clients out there. And then there are some people who I think, yeah, who are now falling in because we have, you know, everyone in the world is a coach now and everyone yep. in the world is, is, and so, and so how do you wade through that and do that with integrity? And here's the thing, people who are thoughtful about that are not the ones you need to be worried about. And so if you mm-hmm. have some of those doubts, that doesn't mean that you're wrong. doesn't mean that you don't have what it takes. It means that you're a rational human with a heart and a conscience, yeah, yeah. but you can let some of that fear and some of that, oh, do I need to keep researching? Do I need to keep asking questions or vetting it? Those can be things that can inform that process, but fear doesn't drive the car. It rides shotgun. Okay. It rides next to you, but you need to be the one to own those decisions and move forward. Cause at some point, you got to ship it. You got to push yeah. publish. You got to push record. You have to get started and move and know that everyone starts with ugly stuff in the beginning. And that's yeah. okay because if you don't get through the ugly period. You don't get better. You just True. don't. And, and there will always be some people who will be too overcome by that fear and they won't ever get started, but don't let that be you. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Fear belongs in the passenger seat. It's shotgun. It is not driving the car. I think that is a great visualization for people. And it, you're not even saying fear doesn't belong there. We don't use fear. We just, we let it, we let it be there and we utilize yeah. it and we take a little bit of direction. Definitely we, we, not we get going feedback anywhere. Because then, you yeah. know, some people take that too extreme and are like, no, I'm never going to listen to the feedback and the haters. And it's like, well, that, that could be useful feedback and that, oh, your offer is not quite right. Or I have some valid yeah. questions about you and your solutions and whether this will, will solve my problem. And do you have any other results you can share any experience? That's just feedback. What we need to yeah. do is just consider that's data. We don't need a layer emotion or shame on top of that. What do we make that mean? And that that's that, that's the work that needs to come in here, right? Between our ears yeah. on what, what do we make feedback mean to us? And there needs to be a balance of being confident and also being open to change so that we can improve and get better. Yeah, 
Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash MU, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash MU to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash MU. So you said a couple things that I think are interesting for people to understand when they are setting out and whether they are in a professional environment right now. There's so many people, especially now, who are like, I need to get out of this soul-sucking job. I need to make more money. I need to... And a lot of them, I've talked to a lot of people who come to me and they want help figuring out how to sell digital products or they want marketing help. And they jump right into something like, I can't be anything related to my job. Like I don't... It has to be a totally different side hustle. I'm so done with this industry. But there there was something you said about lurking in Facebook groups and finding out what the questions were. And the advantage Mm -hmm. to leveraging a profession that you're already in is you already kind of know and you just got to change perspectives from just being the grunt work, somebody doing the work to understanding how did my boss get to the point where they are? Because there's always those different levels, the people who are making the Mm -hmm. most money or the the idea and the creators. And so what would you recommend? And I even kind of think it'd be cool if we did some kind of rapid fire taking professionals, maybe a specific job type and coming up with a bunch of different angles, things that you can listen to and learn. Before we get into that, though, what are some other tips that you would have to somebody who might be in the professional space to leverage what they have without it feeling like they're just going to do more work when they go home? Right. Totally. Yeah. And and I can appreciate this. And I've helped a lot of people in that transition spot as they're setting up their side hustle or their second act as they're looking to transition Mm -hmm. out of that job. And so, I mean, for them, I think it's to realize that your experience can be your superpower because Mm -hmm. it could be because of your position and what you've known that you have gotten to sit in a place and observe or see transformation or been involved with that. And now you get to combine that with your knowledge of how the online economy is working and where things are going and how to leverage these tools in ways that can be really specific. And I found people, especially if you're, if you don't want to compete in those really, really open oceans with a lot of competitors, if you want to be like, Hey, I'm going to teach you people how to build an online business that that's open-ended and it's also really saturated. But what we don't have a lot of are, I used to have a successful sprinkler business and I don't want to do that anymore, but could you teach people how to open a sprinkler business? Could you sell e-plans of people who, hey, I would love to pay for a solution of someone to tell me exactly what to buy for a yard my size. These are the things I want so I can go to Home Depot and DIY. That's solving a specific niche and problem. And when you start to think about that, it, you, the world opens up and it yeah. can blossom for you. And then you can find new energy and invigorated from something that maybe did seem really tiresome. And you're like, I don't want to think about that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that was from where you were sitting. But if you could design a magic wand of what would that solution look like and how could you show up and what are things that you could talk about if you could talk about anything from that lens, then I think you can maybe bring some new energy. And then yeah. you can have 
special sauce because you can combine what you already know with the tools that you're learning here in terms of how can you add that online marketing spin to it in terms of helping people, providing online products, courses, offers, coaching, done for you, done with you, all all the offer stack that you can go up in terms of helping Mm -hmm. get people solutions to their problems. Okay. And this, I'm just going to ask this question off the cuff. I wasn't planning on asking this, but like, do you, I see a lot of people who are putting these types of things out and we have a tendency because we're seeing what we need. So if I'm interested in learning how to market my business or create digital products or whatever, I'm going to see a lot of people talking about that. And it's easy to fall into a trap of feeling like you don't have a marketable skill that you can't leverage something like a sprinkler business because it's not teaching people necessarily how to make money. Or what if I'm just really, really good at being a homemaker? I have a friend who makes millions of dollars teaching women how to be better homemakers. So I know that there are opportunities there. So I guess it kind of just goes back to just finding those, those beautiful zones. But like you mentioned, looking in the Facebook groups, how can people get outside of themselves and not help them see the forest through the trees? You know what I mean? Right. To where mm-hmm. are some other places and where would you recommend somebody start if they want to take their professional experience and start figuring start out what's looking, possible? Yeah. So besides yeah. Facebook groups, which are a great place because people ask questions and, and, have, and share their problems there, things they're looking yeah. for a solution and they're usually thinking they're looking for information, but the thing is people will pay for information. They will pay mm-hmm. for convenience, even if you're like, yeah, but people could go look up all that stuff. They could. But will they? No. And and people will pay. It doesn't have to be a lot, but they will pay enough for a solution. Time's up by how many people are like that in the world. Because open up and think about you don't have to be limited to, especially if you've been a service-based business or with a company, you don't have to limit yourself to geography. It really opens up. Other places that are great to find out problems and to do good market research are Reddit. There's a subreddit for just about everything you could even ever think of. And so it's good to find those little pockets of communities because those are people who are sharing problems. And also they have their curators and mods and editors who are putting things together and up-leveling conversations about stuff that's going on. Comment threads are another one too. So looking at, and this goes for both social media, TikTok, Instagram, and also YouTube is to see what are people saying in the comments? What are they also wanting? Oh, this, but what about this? If you mm-hmm. start seeing those kind of comments, that, that's a good indicator that that's something that are, people are concerned about and would like more help with. And that's where you can start to develop and think about, okay, well, if I was going to offer more information about here, a solution for this problem, what would that look at? And pay particular attention to language. Mm-hmm. Try not to fall into the expert trap of thinking about problems and solutions in the way you, or maybe even your company or your industry talks about it. Lawyers are notoriously bad about this. And so I don't talk a lot about oh, you need to set up your limited liability company and to get your DBA and to get your EIN. Why? Because that language does not mean anything. That's not very helpful. But I do talk about you want to get your business foundation safe and you want to protect your money in case bad things happen to your business. Now that people can understand. So remember to use the language of how people are describing their problems not because they may not be, there's an access of solution aware or problem aware, and they may not be aware of the solution, especially the way that you might be using those words. So it's going to be a mix. Yeah, I love it. Okay, great research tools. And honestly, it's so simple. We complicate it sometimes where we're like, who would even want to pay for that? I mean, I just today bought a program for ADHD homeschool moms. I mean, it was the fastest purchase I've ever made. Because she talked to me about the she didn't lead with the solution. She led with the problem. She was in my head. I felt like there were security cameras in my house. This You're like, should be, have I been talking into my phone? Yeah, like, pop, probably. Yeah, also. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's really good perspective. People will tell you exactly what they want. And I think 
not falling into the trap of being creating in a vacuum and just starting to do your thing where you're like, for sure, everybody wants to learn how to make at-home dog leashes with yarn. That might not be the marketable thing that you can teach. But figure out what are people looking for? What do they want? And how do your skills match with, like you said, that that beautiful zone in the middle is what are people willing to pay for? And you don't really figure that out either until you start putting some things out there and you start doing the work to figure out what's going on in your industry. Right. I love it. Yeah. And we we have these amazing tools now. I mean, that's and we, we all give a lot of grief to social media and it's fun to hate on it. But the thing is, is that it's a very honest and free lab and focus group. And so yeah. you can you can make up a lot of BS about like the algorithm or shadow ban. But the truth is, is that if your content is not starting to perform or you're noticing patterns, it's just the world, it's just data for you. So you can decide to ignore that data or you can decide to be curious and see what is that teaching me about what people are interested in and what they want to learn more. And But you only get that data if you're willing to play the game and yeah. to treat it like that as an experiment not as a, you know, as a validation of your ego or anything else. And so if you Mm -hmm. can keep it like that, you can put it in proper perspective and you can use social media as a great tool for engaging and doing focus group research that would cost companies hundreds of thousands of dollars and be priced out of most small business owners. And yet it's available to you if you're just willing to start. Oh my gosh. It's, it's true. I know I've seen my husband in their profession. They, they think we need to go invest tens of thousands of dollars in, in polling people. And it's like, just no, <laughs> just listen and pay attention just and just sit in the room with your ideal people, you know, pay attention to what you want, even as an employee of a, the company you're in. What's a right. problem that you're constantly seeing? And that that kind of shifts us into this. I love that there's a representation for every type of person on social media right now. And I was right. going to ask you, because I've recently kind of fallen into medical and professional TikTok, where now I'm seeing all these medical professionals just literally also being influencers and content creators. And so what has that shift been like for you to not just talk about the thing you do, but even show up as you've branded yourself and you have a really succinct message and all of those kinds of things? Do you feel like that is something more people are going to start shifting into is leveraging and kind of double dipping and making money from both the thing they do and also just yeah, also as a, as a personal brand. Yeah, for sure. I think for sure, it's certainly a minority still among professions. And I would count lawyers and doctors and therapists to some degree also in that. And part of that is our professional training and a real hesitancy to be very careful about our professional guidelines and ethics mm-hmm. and boundaries and make sure. So it's not, it's not going to be for everyone, but I see more and more pop up all the time who are willing to start talking about things and understand that it can help. It could be a great lead generation for their services and also invite them to be part of further conversations and to make sure that in the age of AI, and I was just at a marketing conference in Vegas last week, traffic and conversion, where my mind was blown about what people and marketers are doing with AI and good, bad, and the ugly about where it's coming in terms of people's jobs and the volume of content production that can be done once you harness the power of artificial intelligence and whatnot. But what's really hard, if you want to compete in that world, what's really hard to mimic is an authentic connection between human beings. So if you want to make yourself not easily replaceable by bots and AI and software and bigger ad budgets, You got to double down on how you engage and connect with an audience, human to Mm -hmm. human. And social media can help you train you how to do that and figure that out and get better and better at that game. And I think that's a real opportunity for people who are professionals, coaches, thought leaders, other brands, personal brands to really engage and, and, and stay really keyed in on that work to make sure they're continuing growing their skills and developing those authentic connections in a way that's, that's hard for other people to duplicate. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. 
Okay, one final question. I'm just curious, like what your mission is for yourself as a business owner, because I love finding things out like this, is the ultimate goal to have the sustainability and the scalability of your business, your primary income be from the templates and being able to have more of the passive? Or do you think you'll always be doing a little bit of both? And also, mm-hmm. even at this point, what is bringing in the most revenue? Is it more of yeah, the templates? Yeah, these, these are great questions. So yeah, right now, and it's really it's funny, I've had toggling like neck and neck. Last year, I did make more money from my law firm than on my, my digital products, but they were close. And I'm making more money each year in both of my businesses, So, mm-hmm. which is great. I'd love to in the future have it be that I, I can make more money from the digital side because that is more scalable. And for me, I do plan on hiring and having and adding other team members so that I can still offer more legal services. But I, I recognize that that will probably still will grow into being more a strategic standpoint. I'll probably mm-hmm. be offering services to, to bigger clients and people that have ongoing legal needs. And I'm more of a fractional outside counsel. And I've started to play that role for a couple of my clients. And I really like that because that allows me to be an in-depth strategic partner and advisor instead of doing one-off projects. Anyone mm-hmm. who's a service-based business knows that that's that's great and you you appreciate the work and it pays the bills, but it's not great to just do one thing and to say goodbye and never to see someone again. I much more prefer to be on someone's feel, really feel like I'm on someone's team and to know here's where we're going. These are our, our projects for next year. Here's what we need to build. What is all the scaffolding that needs to go into these decisions and what role is legal going to play in that? And I think I'll always have some one-on-one services just because I want to make sure that I'm staying relevant and mm-hmm. having a law firm allows me to play in the legal lab, the entrepreneurship yeah. lab. And I have colleagues who have shut down. They're not in that lab anymore and they're all in on their template shops and no shade on them. But I do feel like, well, how are you going to know what people like what's going on, what the chatter is and what people are testing in contracts and Mm -hmm. how people are doing cease and desist and payment demands and where coaches are getting screwed and where clients are getting screwed. Because those are the type of things that I get that come into my inbox pretty regularly. And so I kind of have a really good pulse on what's happening because th- those are where the rubber meets the road in terms of problems. And so, but I'd like that to, to be more higher level strategy stuff. But yeah, on, on the digital side, I hope I can keep growing that because my ultimate vision is to make legal easier for small business owners of mm-hmm. all shapes and sizes, because I don't think that's it, they're being served well by the current system. And I think there needs to be some options between legal zoom, and I'm not sure what I'm getting here and 15 floor law firm and high billable rate but I'm also not sure what I'm getting here. It's kind of a black mm-hmm. box of what the solution looks like. So I think there's a lot of room for playing in the middle and especially that takes advantage of software, AI, how people want to just set up boundaries. And it's not because they want to screw people or they love contracts. I know contracts are boring. I'm <laughs> self-aware to admit that, but I do know that people want to have boundaries in their business so that there's just really clear expectations of the way that business owners can help and serve each other and their customers. And I want to be part of those solutions that are moving forward in the 21st century. So Wow. I love it. That's absolutely amazing. I'm excited to see where you continue with this. And I guess my actual final question, because a lot of people listening to this have either not started a business yet or they're in the early stages. It's a lot of ideation happening right now, especially at this phase of the podcast. But for those people, and because you you talked about this very problem, it's it's so obscure. It's either down here, I don't know what I'm getting, or up here, I don't know what I'm getting. And so a lot of people just don't do it. What does your template shop look like? And how can this really help beginner business owners to affordably protect themselves without feeling like, oh my gosh, now I have to do all these things before I can actually be profitable. And I guess even just a little plug for what you have right now in your template shop. 
Yeah, for sure. So if you head over to creativecontracts.co, that's my template shop. I have a free quiz that you can take. And so it's paying to ask you specific questions about what type of business you think you're going to start or you have started. What are you, what are you selling? Are you selling services? Are you selling media? Are you a creator or influencer, content creator? Do you sell services? Are you a coach? Are you providing those? And they'll ask you questions about how you're doing it. What channels you might be using? Are you using, doing giveaways? Are you doing podcasts? Are you doing guest experting? Are you doing using other people's content? And then we'll spit out a recommendation of probably what you might be ready for. With the eye that there, there are some things that are kind of my best sellers that I always like to put a plug in for people is that everyone needs legal docs in the footer of their website. So mm-hmm. if you have a website, regardless of what platform it is built on, you need to have a privacy policy. It is the year of our Lord, 2024, and you need to have one. There's several states now eight now states that require you to make disclosures about what information you're collecting on your website. And I can almost guarantee that you are collecting some information on your website. And you certainly are if you're running ads, you have pixels, if you have cookies on there. Um, These are all things that modern websites that we should do. So you definitely need some website legal docs. And I sell my website legal bundles, a great thing for that. And then, then my number two is an independent contractor agreement. And this is really great because I find that most people as they're growing their teams and starting to have people help them in their business, their first hire, quote unquote, is a freelancer, is someone else to help them, right? Is maybe a virtual assistant or a graphic designer or a community manager or a social media manager. All those people are doing awesome creative things. They're creating things for your business, but you need to make sure there's some boundaries that you actually get the rights to all the stuff they're creating. So an independent contract agreement is your best friend. Yeah. You want to get that rinse and repeat and make sure that there's really clear expectations and how you're going to work with those 1099ers in your business. Awesome. Okay. I love a good quiz. So that's exciting. And everybody go check that out. And then if you want to follow Brittany, if you want legal advice ongoing to stay up with what's happening with the online content creation space in your business, then where can they find you on social media? I'm Brittany Rattel in all the places. So, and I have a podcast as well. It's on hiatus, but we will be starting again at the end of the month. And then I also have a YouTube channel, which was a new edition last year. And so if you like learning on the go, if you like listening while you're doing other things, multitasking, writing your life, driving, laundry, rage cleaning, whatever your preference <laughs> is, know that those are, those are some options to you, especially to take deep dives and like, how do I host an in-person event? What are the legalities of copyright versus trademark? What should I be doing if I want to move into licensing? What do I, what does that look like? I have mm-hmm. content about how to do all of that. How do I fill out my new beneficial owner information report? It's a new requirement that everyone has to do by the end of 2024. I have an Instagram post walking you through exactly how to do that. So I awesome. want to make it easy. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Your mission is so clear, so simple, and you've dropped more gold nuggets than I can even address on this interview. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your brain with us, sharing your passion with us. It's very, it's very intoxicating. It's it's awesome. And I love learning from you. You really, really know what you're doing. Thanks for leveraging or letting us leverage your amazing brain here on the podcast. You're awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me and go, go get them guys. Okay. You, you got this. You're in the driver's seat. All right. Yes. Love it. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Brittany. I honestly don't know if I could say that episode was more inspiring or educational because it was a perfect blend of both. Brittany really knows her stuff and you can see that shine through in the way that she's able to explain and express her passion for what she does and for business in general. So hopefully you are walking away from this episode with tons of ideas, tons of inspiration and just some strategies in your head about how you can start to leverage the skills and knowledge that you already have and turn that into a profitable business. Because at the end of the day, anything is possible for you. If you just find that sweet spot that Brittany talked about where you find what you're good at, what people need, and then that middle point where they will pay for the solution. 
And I just want to reiterate, you don't have to be a lawyer to be successful. Brittany could have a totally different skill set. I've seen so many different professionals who have pivoted into the space of being able to leverage their skills in the online world and turn that into a totally different business model. And what we're seeing is that even those who are technically trained in an educational setting like college come out of that without a technical set of skills to turn it into their own business. Entrepreneurship cannot really be taught in the brick and mortar schools, but it's definitely learned in the school of life. So that's what we're again trying to achieve here on Millionaire University. You don't have to go to school to be successful, but if you already did and you have those skills and you want to leverage that to make even more money and become a successful entrepreneur, this is how we do it. All right. Thanks again for tuning into today's episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Have a wonderful day.